Welcome to Willard Church of the Nazarene. We're glad you're here. We can't wait to share the service with you.
started off a sermon on Thursday, had it, was going to do it on humility. And I was like, no, that's not the right direction. Friday, wrote out a draft for the sermon on mercy, mercy, not sacrifice. And then Saturday morning, I was like, no, I'm not going to do that. And so today we're going to be talking about money. And uh, yeah, so if it's your first time here, I just want to apologize because I know what people think about church and when they talk about money. But I, I guess I really don't want to apologize because it's God's word that we're going to be looking at. And really, I want to talk more about treasure than money. So today we're going to be in Matthew 6. If you would turn there, Matthew 6, beginning at verse 19. Matthew 6, beginning at verse 19. We're going to go through all the way to uh, verse 34. This is obviously from the Sermon on the Mount, one of the most amazing sermons given by Christ. And we're going to be looking at treasure and money today. If you're not familiar with the Sermon on the Mount, it's basically, if you would take the gospel of Jesus Christ and want to know what it looks like, that's the Sermon on the Mount. That's what the Sermon on the Mount describes. So Matthew 6, beginning at verse 19, would you stand in honor of God's word? That's why we're here, right? We're here to hear from God, and we are blessed to have his word. Matthew six nineteen, do not store up for yourselves treasure on earth where moths and vermin destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasure in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. The eye is a lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith. So don't worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has, its, has trouble of its own. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for your word. Lord, I pray that you'd speak to our hearts. Soften them. Open our eyes. Open our ears. Father, we want to hear from you. Lord, we lift up every other church that's proclaiming you today. We pray that you would bless them. Lord, I pray that you would use this passage to change us, to change our hearts, to give us the right priorities. Lord, I pray that you would send us 
and every other church that's preaching your name out of the building, out of the walls, to be your ambassadors to this dark world. Lord, we give you praise. In your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. When you read this passage and when you're studying it, there's a curious part in here. It's an illustration involving the eye. In verse 22, it says, The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. What, what is that talking about? It seems to be out of place. It's, it's stuck before or right after some talk about treasure in your heart and then right before talking more about money. But it, it's pretty simple. Um, we're in this room, right? And we, we see the light. The light fills this room. If, if, your, if your eyes work, you will then, by, by the light, be able to navigate and be able to move and be able to work your way around this room. If your eyes don't work, though, right, you're going to have problems. You're going to be in darkness because it doesn't matter. Uh, none of your other body parts can let that light in. So... You're in darkness. This is important because he, it relates back to the text right before it where it says, hey, um, by the way you handle your money and possessions, it, it's going to affect every other area of your life, either for good or bad, either for light or darkness. And in Luke, it, there's the same passage and these same talks. And Jesus also adds, though, hey, watch out for greed. He adds that to this. Why? Because greed can blind you. It blinds us. It can distort the way that you see things. I was listening to a story by a, a preacher, a well-known preacher, and he was talking about when he was doing the sermon series on the seven deadly sins. And uh, when it came for this part to talk about greed, something interesting happened. Hardly anybody showed up. And it wasn't, he said, because they didn't think it was a good topic or a right topic or something to talk about. He said it was because nobody thought they had a problem with it. Nobody thought that it was something that they needed to work on, so they just didn't come out. You, you see greed or materialism, chasing after the wrong treasures is different than a lot of other sins because we're often blind to it, blind that we struggle with it. It darkens your eyes spiritually so that you don't even think it's a problem for you, right? Listen, you don't have to have a warning. You don't have to have a warning that you might be committing adultery, right? You don't have to have that warning, right? Nobody ever says, oh, you're not my wife, right? You realize that when you're doing that, you see the dangers of that. You never say, whoops, and it just happens or it's happening. But Jesus says, watch out. Jesus says, be on guard against greed. Greed is tricky. I have been a pastor now for over a decade. I have had people come up to me and talk about all sorts of things, all sorts of struggles. I struggle with anger. I struggle with forgiveness. I struggle with bitterness. I struggle with this sexual thing, lust, pride. I, I've never had somebody come up and say, I struggle with greed or materialism. I've never had somebody come up and say that. Why? 
Because we probably have somebody that we can point to that we see that person as being greedy. Maybe it's that rich person. Maybe it's that person that doesn't uh, spend their money in the best way, right? And I'm not even close to where they are on their level. So I think I'm okay. I think I don't have a problem with money. Or after all, I don't even have a lot of money. So what problem could I have with being greedy, right? Mm, Be careful. Be careful. I can tell you that... um, I have a struggle with greed. I'll be the first to admit it and to talk about it. I have a struggle with what I treasure. I have a struggle with how I look at money as a source of security. Uh, I can also tell you, though, that my wife and I, uh, we are very giving people. We, we, we tithe. We give above our tithe to the church. We support um, numerous other uh, organizations and give to them. And that's the problem because I can look at that and say, oh, you know what? I'm good. We're, we're doing what we're supposed to be doing. But at the same time, I still struggle with greed. I still struggle with trying to hold on to my money and depend on it and to look to it for security. Um, if you're here tonight and you're thinking, or today, and you think, I don't have a problem with money, uh, be careful, right? Watch out. Don't, don't compare yourself to other people. Don't think that just because you don't have it, that you, it's not a problem. It's interesting. Um, very few people actually see themselves as rich, right? Very few people actually see themselves as rich. Uh, six-figure people, I would say they're rich. I would say that they have a lot of money. But a lot of people who make six figures don't see themselves as being rich. And maybe they're looking to the people who make seven figures. And, and maybe the seven figures, if you ask them, most people will, will say that they're not rich either. And maybe they're looking to the people that make ten figures. It's all relative. We, none of us think we're rich. But here in America, we are. We have much wealth. Be careful with that. We, we always think we need more. Now, because we don't feel rich, all right, we rarely ask ourselves tough questions like, uh, should I really be spending money on this? Do I really need to be putting this much money into my home, into my wardrobe? Should I, should I be getting Starbucks every day, right? Uh, we don't go there. We don't ask because we don't think we have a, an issue with it. When is the last time, though, that you said, what could I cut out of my lifestyle so that I could be more generous? I think that's something that everybody can ask regardless of your income level. What could I cut out of my lifestyle so that I could be more generous? Most people won't ask that. They'll ask, how much money should I give? How much am I expected to give, right? Everybody wants to know that if the tithe is still the standard today, right? That's one of the questions that I do get asked. But how many of us ask, how could I change my lifestyle so I could help more people? How could I change my lifestyle so I could build the kingdom of God, right? Those are the questions. It's very quiet in here, by the way. This is just one of those subjects. No shame, no condemnation, right? But 
let's examine ourselves. Really examine our hearts and our motives. You know, maybe some of us have businesses. You know, how could I lower my profits so that this could be more affordable to people? Right? Would we ever ask that? Does a business do that? Or do we try and see what's, what's the most that I could make? What's the most that I can make so I can sock the most away? There's a story about this guy named Robert Kane that back, dates back to 1635. 1635, he was a member of the first Congressional Church of Boston. He was doing pretty well as a businessman. Uh, but in 1635, his elders of his church disciplined him for greed. They disciplined him for greed. You ever, remember, you ever remember getting disciplined in the church for greed? No, right? We don't do that today. They did it back then. What was he doing? He was selling his stuff at a 6% profit. A 6% profit. And the church decided that the max profit should only be 4%. That's the max profit that you should make from selling stuff. So when they found out he was doing 6%, they brought him in. Now, some of you are like me, and you're like, whoa, right? That, that seems kind of harsh. That seems a little bit weird. That's a little bit crazy, but it's really interesting. You, you'll never find 4% or 6% in the Bible, right? About your business rates or anything like that. That's not the point. The point is that the church realized that you don't always see when you're being greedy. And so they come up with this standard. They came up together and together they came up with an agreement and they said, hey, we should only be charging most Four percent. That's the that's the most profit that we should be making. You know, it's it's easy to recognize if you're stealing or if you have a, a drinking problem or or something like that. But it's not as easy when you're looking at greed and and money issues. So they put something in place that made sense for their time period. That wouldn't make sense for our time period, right? But it made sense for the time period back there, their living situation, their community, and they put that together. And what the cool part was is they gave each other permission to be held accountable. Hey, you see me doing this, I want you to hold me accountable. That, that's the, the interesting part. That's the part that I want to, to point out. They, they recognize that Jesus talks a lot about money in the Bible, right? In the New Testament, in the, in the Gospels, talks about given to the poor. It's actually kind of crazy how much Jesus talks about money, if you really search it. I mean, I, I don't think I could preach on money as often as Jesus talked on money, and you guys would keep me around, right? You, you guys would be like, no, just get out of here. Like I said, you preach on money, it gets real quiet. This is the quietest I've ever heard you guys. I have not heard one amen, right? <laughs> you, you preach on money, nobody ever walks out of here singing, oh, Praise God, you know. The church elders called him on it. They had a mutual agreement to do that. They took it seriously. They knew and agreed 4%. And they caught him doing 6 He was trying to get away with it. He knew better. And they called him on it. Here's my point. Who are you accountable to? Who are you accountable to? Who do you give the right to come into your life and say, check my giving? Check my profit. Check how I'm spending money. Let's talk about that. Let's, let's get together in a small group and talk about how we're spending our money and how we're giving. And, and here's my bank account, and you can check that out. I'm going to tell you, I don't even want to think about that. That is not a small group that I want to go to, 
right? That is not something that I want in that. But it should be. Jesus says, watch out. Be on guard against it. Why not bring some other people in there? Man, I don't even like talking to myself about that and having those kind of conversations. You know, I do. You know, should I be purchasing that? I have a spouse that I can talk to that we're on the same page when it comes to the giving. So she's more conservative than me. I'm more the spender. She's more the saver. So after she handles the money, so I got to run everything through her anyway. So she's kind of a check and balance for me. But be on guard for that. Be on guard. Money has the power to keep you from asking those important questions, to keep you from talking to other people on how you spend it, how you give it, even how you make it, right? What if, what if more businesses in America were more accountable on how they made money? What about like with price gouging? What if we had more Christians in business that said, this, this is wrong, this is the wrong way to do it, you know? Let's try to make this affordable so that people can afford it and it doesn't put them in a hole. You know, have you ever tried to go buy a vehicle today? Holy smokes. They're expensive, right? We, we'll, we'll compromise a lot of things. We'll compromise a lot of things to make money. We've got to be careful. Like I said, we live in one of the most wealthiest nations in the history of mankind. Not one of We live in the wealthiest nation in the history of mankind, especially in the last 30 years. And compared to the rest of the world, it, it's shocking. It's alarming. And I, and I hope that all of us, I hope that all of us, that we would not dare say, I'm doing a pretty good job with my giving and my attitude towards money and what I treasure. You know, I, I couldn't give away anymore. I, I hope none of us say, man, I, I couldn't live any more simply and, and contribute more to the kingdom of God. I hope that's not us. I hope, we, I hope we're challenged today. That's, that's my goal for this sermon, just to challenge us to be more kingdom-minded. No matter where you're at, greed, can blind you. It's not a rich person's thing. No matter where you're at, be careful with this. Why is it that this money has this power? Well, the answer is found in verse 21. Jesus says, where your treasure is, there is your heart. And we'll talk about this a little bit more. But the place where your heart really rests is is often shown by where you spend money, where you spend time where you spend other things. It's revealed by money. Money has two big traps that we fall for, that we fall into. Money is either where we find our significance or our identity, or it's where we find our security. Both of these should be found in God. Both of these should be found in God alone. But we often look to money for these things. The, the things that money can buy, for many of us, provide status right? And we can't afford to give it away because then we'll have to lower our status. We won't be able to afford the things that give us our station in our life. The, the passage in Luke twelve fifteen that I was referring to that says to be on guard against greed, it says life doesn't consist of, a, of an abundance of possessions. Life doesn't consist of a, an abundance of possessions, but that is the American way, right? Get everything you can. It's all about the toys. 
Man, my, my dad really struggled with this. I think that's where I get it from. But, you know, he had the campers, the, the, the four-wheelers, the utility vehicles, the sports car, the, the three dollars $400,000 house, you know, and all that stuff. And you know what I saw that as in his life? Bondage. Bondage. Because he wanted to serve the kingdom, but he was fighting to keep up with the toys. Be careful. L- live simply. Live humbly, right? Be on guard against it. And praise, praise God for this, this mention from Jesus because as parents, right, we don't have to keep up with the Joneses. I, I, don't, know if, I don't know if you parents struggle like I do, but when, when my kids come home and said, well, so-and-so's family bought them this and they have this, and I'm like, oh my goodness, I can't afford that, Right? Praise God that this is what Christ teaches, that, that life is not an abundance of possessions. And, and let me tell you something, parents. Your time is more valuable than anything else that you can give your kids, any physical item that you can give your kids. You might think it's important to, to give your kids this or to that, but, but listen, you give them the word of God. You spend time with them man, and you'll set them up at the way. Don't, don't worry about keeping up with the Joneses, right? That'll just get you into trouble. That'll get you to, to spend more money than you have and get you into trouble. Be careful with that. Guard against that. Maybe that's not you, though. You don't have to keep up, up with the Joneses, but maybe you see money as a source of security. Here, here's where I'm at. Um, some use it for approval. Some use it for control. Uh, I need money so I feel safe. And because I need it, I, I don't want to give it away. Because if I give it away, then I'm not going to have it. And then I'm not going to feel safety. I'm not going to have that safety net. I need to hold on to it. I need to accumulate it. Otherwise, I, I could get into trouble. If you have money, then you feel like you're in control in an uncontrollable world. If you have enough money. The problem is, a lot of times, you don't think you have ever enough. And so you're constantly trying to get more of it and making that your goal. I, I need to have enough money so that I can be in control of my life. I need to be safe. Like I said, this is, this is the one area, one of the areas with money that I, I, I tend to struggle with. But Jesus says running after these things can't add a single moment to your life, right? Can't add a minute. It's God who's in control of these things. Money can't make us God, but we turn to it as our God, as our source of security, instead of turning to God, instead of trusting in Him. Uh, if my kids came up to me, this, this is horrible. If my kids came up to me and said, man, I want to be a missionary, you know what I'd think? I'd be scared for their safety, you know, depending on where they're going but I'd be worried about money. How, how are you going to make that? How are you going to make that work? What are you going to do when you're done being a missionary and you've got to move back to the United States? You know, how are you going to handle that? And wouldn't God provide that? Be careful. There was a Bible professor who told a similar story about a time a couple young women came to him and, and uh, 
um, those young women felt the call to be missionaries, so they went and told their parents, uh, pretty well-off, influential parents, that they wanted to do this. And their parents said, hey, that's great. That's great uh, that you've experienced this and that you feel this call, but here's what you need to do before you go. You need to finish your schooling. You need to get your master's degree. We want you to go on to that so that you have that safety net, that security net, and get case this doesn't go away. We also want you to get a job, get something on your resume so that you can have it, you know, just in case this doesn't work out. And, and while you're given a job and working, you can put some money in the bank so that you can have some security. And uh, those girls went back and told their Bible professor about that. And they're like, what do you, what do you say to that? And he said, tell them that we're on this little ball of rock spinning through space and we don't ever know when we're going to run into something or the trap door is going to come open right underneath us. Everyone's going to have that happen at some point, and you're either going to have nothing to catch you or the everlasting arms of Jesus Christ. Don't think a master's degree or a bank account is going to be able to catch you. Money can't save you. So how do we break the power of money in our lives? How do we get to the place where money isn't our God, isn't our source of hope, isn't our source of security? How do we get to the place where we're radically generous? How do we get to the place where we're just not worrying about money? Well, let's go back to verse 19. Don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasure in heaven. Don't store up treasures on this earth because they rust. And don't they? Don't they? We know that. Heavenly treasure is where it's at. That's the eternal stuff. Here's the thing, you know. Everybody at the center of their soul has something they treasure. Everybody at the center of the soul has something they treasure. What, what does it mean to, to treasure something? It means to look at something and to fill your heart with the beauty, right, and the value of it. It's something to say, you know, if I have this, then everything else will be worthwhile, will be worth it. Everybody's got something that they treasure. Could be money, could be kids, could be a spouse, could be a career, could be a status. Something that you look at and you say, if I have this, it'll all be worth it. If I have this, I'll finally be worth it. My, my favorite fictional book is The Lord of the Rings. And if you've read that book or seen the movies, you know that there is this ring of power, right, that, that everything is about, and everybody's searching after this ring of power. And, and everybody who has the ring of power, do you, do you remember what they call it? My precious. My precious. We all have a precious, something that we're striving after, something that we're going after, something that drives us almost insane, something that we have to have in order to feel like we've arrived or, or we're okay now or, or we're worth it now. We strive for that treasure. We, we, we often will find a way to get it. We'll put ourselves in debt for it. We'll sacrifice for it. We'll do things that we shouldn't for it, right? We, we go after that thing that catches the sparkle in our eye. But what happens? turns to rust, right? turns to dust. And then we've got to go after the next thing that catches our eye or it disappoints us. And so we're, we're no longer looking to our spouse as our treasure, right? We're looking to that next person for that. Be careful. 
right? We're constantly chasing after treasure that can never satisfy us. That's the truth. And here's the thing that we don't realize, uh, the people in the Lord of the Rings didn't realize, is that whatever that thing is, whatever that treasure thing is, we're slaves to it. You'll pay any price for it. You'll do anything to get it because it's the only thing that's worth it. It's your treasure. Treasure will insist that you pay more for it than you have. Treasure will insist that you sacrifice for it. Treasure might even insist, insist that you die for it. You'll kill yourself to obtain it. Well, how so? Maybe you'll work yourself to death. You don't have to, but maybe you'll choose to work seven days a week and, and not take a day off and all chasing after something. Some people have to work seven days a week. I'm not knocking anybody. But some people choose that. And some people choose that to run from stuff. Maybe you'll choose to do things that you know you shouldn't do in order to get those treasures. Here, here's the thing. No treasure will die for you except Christ. Right? Man, I had a realization of that just going through this. Jesus is the only treasure that died for you, died to purchase you. And it's only when you treasure him that you're freed from the other treasure that you'd normally go after. It's only when you treasure him that you, you get free from money's grasp. That's why he says, you only can serve one master, right? You'll be devoted to one, and you'll, what, what's it say? You'll despise the other. How can you treasure Jesus? Think about what he did with his treasure. Maybe that's a start. He had the ultimate treasure, right? He's Lord. He's in heaven. He's got the ultimate status. He's got the ultimate security. But he comes to this earth, right? He gives it off. He gives it all up. He's, he's born in a very humble circumstances, right? He goes to a cross. He's stripped of it all stripped of it all stripped bare and why why would he be willing to do that you only die for something that's precious to you for some reason he looked at us and said they're worth it it'll be worth it right I, if i can redeem them we were for some reason worth the cross we were, for some reason, worth the cup of God's wrath to him. Please read Isaiah chapter 53. Please write that down right now and go, go read that sometime. It tells us by prophecy what that suffering looked like. And it prophesizes that after he suffers, he sees and was satisfied. After it's finished, after we're redeemed, he's going to be satisfied with what he did. Man, that speaks to me. He didn't regret it. Everything that he went through, he was satisfied. First Peter 2.9, but you are a chosen people, right? A holy nation. God's purchased possession. That means you're his treasure. Until you know that, 
Until you kind of realize all those things that he was willing to lose, that he was willing to give up. Heaven was not something to be grasped, something to held on to, right? Until you realize how he looks at you, until he realized how he felt towards you and what he was willing to do for you, all to provide a way so that you could have a relationship with him. Until you realize that, I don't think you get it. I don't think you'll get it and get past this problem with money. But if you do, I believe it can free you from it. You know what's interesting in verse 22? It says the eye is a a lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, the word healthy there in in Greek has a double meaning. And it also means generous. A Christian that has been freed, right, has healthy eyes, have generous eyes. Always looking for opportunities. You're looking at your friends, you're looking at your neighbors, you're looking at your church, the poor, for opportunities to share. You get freed from money. You get a generous eye. Well, how generous should I be? That's the question. That's the question that I I get that comes to me. Don't we all want to know, what do we have to to give? What's, What's the minimum that I have to give to be okay? Don't we all want to know that? A lot of pastors will come and tell you, oh, it's the tithe, right? For, for, for most Christians, the tithe is the goal. And I could preach on that. People have, asked, people have actually asked me to preach on that. You know, that's surprisingly. I could go to Malachi, though, 3, 6 through 12, chapter 3, verses uh, 6 through 12. It says, I, the Lord, do not change. Ever since the time of your answers, you have turned away from my decrees and not kept them. Return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. But you ask how are we to return? And God says, will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how are we robbing you? In tithes and offerings. And you're under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that's the church, that there may be food in my house. I could preach on that. Are you bringing the whole tithe into the storehouse? Are you robbing God with your tithe? On top of that, are you bringing offerings? Apparently, it's not just the tithe. Apparently, there's offerings on top of that. I could warn you that you're under a curse, right? And I could keep reading, though, and tell you about a promise. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. Test me in your giving and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be enough room enough to store it. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops and the vines in your fields and will not drop their fruit before it's ripe, says the Lord Almighty. Then all the nations will call you blessed for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. I could preach on that. I could testify to that. I will tell you it's 100% true. I've never outgiven God. But here's the thing. I still struggle with greed. I still struggle where my treasure is. And I don't want this to be a sermon on giving. I want this to be a sermon on where's your treasure? What's important? Who are you putting first? In your life. Because I know if you get that down, if I could get that down better, man, I'll be better in all the other areas concerning money. Where's your treasure? Tithe, it's a good, nice figure to think about. In order to tithe, a lot of people would have to sacrifice, they would have to change their lifestyle. 
it's, it's good. There, there'll be a cross to bear if you start tithing, I guarantee it. You know, I was blessed. I, I learned tithing when I was younger, and, and my wife was a tither, so it was easy for us. But I know not everybody's there. Not everybody has a spouse that agrees, right? And I will tell you this, if you do not agree with your spouse on this, I'll tell you, don't let it cause things with your marriage. You, you do what you can, you know, but don't let this be a source of, of that. Pray that, that God changes your spouse's heart, right? My problem with the tithe, though, is that people see it as an end-all. If I can just tithe, right, or maybe even if I give tithes and offerings, then, then I'm good. But I know personally I'm still not good because of what I look to money as and how I see it and how I still want to hang on to it. I don't want to share it all the time. I look to it as my security instead of looking to Christ. I can tell you too, don't let the tithe limit you. Right? Because we see Jesus doesn't tithe. He gives it all. He lays down everything. He tells the rich young ruler, right, don't, don't give 10%. He says, go sell all you have and give it to the poor. We see the first century church. They weren't limited by the tithe. That's, that's why I don't preach the tithe. I, I'm not saying I don't believe it. I don't push it, though, because I don't want us to limit it. I don't want it to be something that we look at and we say, oh, we're good. We're good if we're doing it. No, you still can have a heart issue. Right? I don't know where you're at financially. You, you might be scraping to get by and there's nothing else you can do more, more simply. You know, I don't know. And I'm going to tell you something too. Your church is here for you. Right? We, we put money into an account because we know there's people that can't make it. Gas is five bucks. You need help. Lay down your pride and come to your family. Right? Be careful, though. Be careful with wrapping everything around the tithe. Like I said, I'm not, I'm not against it. There's just so much more. So much more. Be, I want to be generous. I want to want to be generous. I want God to change my heart so that, that I want to I live more simply and just give more away and build the eternal things of the kingdom. That's what I want to I do. I want to be reminded of how much he gave me. I want to be reminded of what he did for me. And I want to give out a response to that. I want to quit focusing in on earthly treasure as security and focus in on my Father, on heavenly treasure. And I want to offer you the same challenge today. Are you giving sacrificially? Or do you struggle with that because you're looking to money as your, as your treasure, as your source of security, as your source of status? Are you giving enough away this year that you have to change your lifestyle? Right? Are you giving enough away this year that you've had to change your lifestyle, quit doing some of the things that you were doing because God laid something on your heart to give and, and so you decided that you're going to follow what he's asking you to do and, but it's going to cause some changes? Or are you just giving what's left over? What's easy? What's comfortable? Do you want to keep giving like that? I just want to challenge you. Where is your treasure? Earthly things or eternal things? Are you able to give with great joy 
because you realize everything that's been given to you. That's, that's a key, right? Are you giving grudgingly? Hold, hold it, right? Might as well not. Are you giving with joy? That's where, that's where mm, I've experienced that. I'm not quite all the way there yet. Sometimes it is a joy to give, but sometimes it's, it's not. Mm. We have this old letter from Dionysus who told about the early Christians and why they were so popular uh, in the early days and why they shocked people. Listen to this. He says, we share our tables with all, but we do not share a bed with all. That's what shocked people. That's what stood out to people around them. You see, people back then, during this time period, this might come as a shock to you, were were very promiscuous with their body, but very stingy with their wallets. These Christians, though, came along, and, and dare I say, they were very promiscuous with their wallets, giving with their wallets, and very stingy with their beds. They were incredibly giving, and they didn't sleep around. How many, how many guys do we have out there sleeping around and getting women pregnant and then running from their responsibility? How many guys do we have that are very, very promiscuous with their bed, but very stingy with their wallet? We need to be the exact opposite, right? Very giving, but living morally not creating problems. How does that affect society? One of the biggest problems we have is dads, not being dads, not being involved, right? Not caring, not providing for. It's destroying our nation, right? But, but the early church, man, was the complete opposite of that. And so can we be. Very stingy with our beds, very giving with our wallets, can I just challenge you, man, that if you struggle with greed like me or struggle with money and how you see it, focus in on God and see, see and develop a heart that responds to him and to what he's done for you. Develop a heart that realizes that Jesus is the only treasure that died for you. Realize there are two types of treasures that you can invest in, earthly ones that rust and turn to dust or heavenly ones that last forever. And give towards that. It might seem very selfish for me as a pastor to encourage you to give, give sacrificially, give towards the kingdom, give towards the eternal. I will not apologize for that, right? We don't pass an offering plate here, right? I'm, I'm not out to get your money. I want you to realize that what a blessing it is to invest in the eternal. I want you to have joy when you give. I want you to take a look at what you're spending money on. I want you to be freed from having to keep up with the Joneses. I want you to be freed. I want me to be freed from looking to money as security and be willing to say, man, I think it's awesome that you want to be a missionary. Go do it. God will provide. Right? Would you stand with me? Will you have a conversation with God about money? Would you dare maybe talk to your spouse about are we sacrificially giving? Are we doing it the right way? Are, we, are our hearts right? 
Or maybe you don't have a spouse. Would you maybe include somebody else in a small group to that? Would you let somebody hold you accountable? Oh, that's scary. I don't know. I want God to change my heart. I want, I want to be freed from this. Man, and I want you to be freed from it as well if it's something that you, you deal with. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for today. Lord, you, you gave everything. That's what you modeled. And we're called to come after you. Lord, I, I know what your word says. I know what you told the rich young ruler. You asked him to give up that great wealth. And he wasn't willing to. And it cost him everything. Father, don't let that be us. Lord, let us be willing to to lay it down. Let us look to you as our source of hope and our source of security instead of money. Lord, help us to invest in the eternal. Help us to show us how, how worthless it is to invest in the things of this world. Help us to be good stewards with what's been entrusted to us. Lord, we love you and we give you all praise. In your name we pray. Amen.